to the Naked the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Uh, wild, wild weekend. Uh, great games. Uh, you know, we, we got to talk about, you know, the biggest game of the weekend, you know, across all sports, Kentucky-Auburn. I mean, mm-hmm. what a matchup. What a matchup between those two teams uh, and Auburn. They might move to number one in the polls. Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up putting them in number one over Gonzaga. I said last podcast I wouldn't do that. I changed my mind because they were super impressive in that game. Uh, Kentucky started off the game pretty hot, but Auburn was able to come back and do their thing. The game kind of changed for me, though, when Ty Ty Washington got hurt. I think if Ty Ty Washington plays that entire game, I think Kentucky wins. His presence was certainly missed. I guess we won't know. They'll play again, so we'll see what happens if he's able to play the next time these two teams match up. But Auburn really has it all. They have Walker Kessler is really good. They have Jabari Smith, who's going to be the first pick. You have three transfer guards, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, and Zeb Jasper, who all play really hard. They can make shots. They defend. They do everything you'd want. They're pretty deep, and they're really well coached. So it's just this is a really, really good Auburn team, and they definitely could win the national title. Yeah, and, you know, certainly this game was probably the biggest regular season game. Like, obviously, they just played in a Final Four two years ago. There's not going to be much bigger games than that. But in terms of just, like, pure regular season games, this is as good as it gets for Auburn because – you win this game, you probably jump Gonzaga. Uh, we'll see what a few votes end up going, but uh, most likely they will uh, move past Gonzaga. Uh, and thanks in part due to uh, Purdue and Duke both losing. Uh, they'll just mm-hmm. kind of gain points just from that alone. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Auburn, this is a great matchup because you, you have the SEC championship, regular season championship on the line. You have the – you know, one seed implications, you have, you know, all that all going with that. And then you have the opportunity to, you know, if you you win, you're probably going to be number one in the sport. And I think early on, they kind of looked a little bit nervous. Uh, it took a little while to get themselves down, but uh, certainly the guards were playing good. Walker Kessler had a really good game. Uh, and, you know, they did, they pretty much kind of ran away with it in the second half, obviously. No tie tie Washington goes a long way towards that, but they did so without really a great game from Jabari Smith. Like he seemed a little bit passive at times, uh, wasn't all that aggressive, but hey, if you're giving Walker Kessler seven dunks, uh, you're probably going to win a lot of those games. So it was impressive performance from Auburn. Looking at another matchup between two ranked teams. It was, you know, in the Big Ten, there's the biggest advantage in college sports is home court advantage in the Big Ten. That didn't matter in this one as Wisconsin fell to Michigan State in the Kohl Center. Uh, Max Christie had a pretty solid game, 12 points. It's a balanced scoring attack all the way around. Tyson Walker had a great second half, and that was one of the reasons they were able to win that game the way they did. Jaden Akins came off the bench with a career-high 10 points. And the thing with Wisconsin, Johnny Davis had 25 points, but he didn't look like himself. He looked a little tired. He was short on a lot of his shots. He just didn't have that same kind of effectiveness. He and Brad Davison combined for 47 of Wisconsin's 74 points. But perhaps the biggest thing is they didn't have Tyler Wall, who's been awesome this season for him on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. And you look at who they replaced him with, Ben Carlson. He hasn't played a whole lot. He's not Tyler Wall. Like, Tyler Wall is – 
he's not going to be an all-conference player probably, but maybe like an all-Big Ten honorable mention. He's been really good this year, and he's probably their third best player. So not having him after he got hurt in the game against Northwestern was a big-time loss for Wisconsin. So I'm not surprised to see them drop this game, but hopefully they're able to get Tyler Wall back here pretty soon because he is very vital to their success. Yeah, another game where you know you just get like a injury. Uh, we'll see when if Tyler Wall ends up playing in the future. But uh, yeah, I mean Michigan State I think took advantage of that matchup. I mean they Wisconsin got out to uh, like a fantastic start. I think they scored the first eight points of the game, and you're like, here we go again, Wisconsin looking very good. And then yeah, yeah I think I tweeted. I said yeah, Wisconsin is really good. And I'm just yeah. like, man, I hope nobody saw that because I would sure love to delete that tweet right now. Yeah. And then Michigan State just responded. I think that you mentioned it with Davis shorting a lot of shots. You know, I, I think part of the problem when you're Johnny Davis, you're going against the Big Ten. It's a grueling league every single night. And he he takes on like so much offensive responsibility. Like you see with other, you know, kind of top players uh, in the sport. I mean, you look at, you know, Jabari Smith doesn't have to take 20 shots a game. Uh, Akenjo, uh, Ochai Baji, Drew Timmy, like those types of players, you know, they're superstars. They're all Americans. They're not having to take on the offensive responsibility game in and game out that a giant Davis is taking on. And that, you know, I think can play a big factor. And you, you know, you mentioned kind of looked a little bit off in this game, went eight for 20 from the field, which, uh, it's not bad. It's just not yeah. Johnny Davis good. And yeah. a lot of them came late. Like, I think he was like three for 14 at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, he still scored 25. Credit him on that. But uh, just didn't feel like a game where he necessarily uh, felt like he had it. Uh, Brad Davidson, I thought, was pretty effective. He was kind of for a little while keeping Wisconsin in the game. But uh, I think Michigan State, they did a good job, especially taking advantage inside uh Christy, you know, Tyson Walker had good games starting, but wherever you're getting, getting Jane Atkins to come off the bench and, you know, be very productive. You have get AJ Hogard, who had eight assists in this game. He was very good. You had Bingham, uh, Malik Hall, Gabe Brown, like they, they were all kind of producing. It was kind of a game where, you know, Michigan State didn't necessarily have like one player win the game for them, but they just were able to, you know, combine scoring. They were com- kind of able to, yeah, I think the depth advantage that Michigan State kind of had in this game uh, played a, a factor because Michigan State has a legitimate nine-man rotation. I know Wisconsin kind of has, you know, a similar type of rotation, but you're also still having to play Johnny Davis and Brad Davis in 40 minutes apiece, and same with probably Chucky Hepburn as well. You With Michigan State, it's more, you know, 25 minutes for the starters, 15 for the bench players. I think that kind of played a factor as well. Another Big Ten matchup to look at. Illinois loses again this week to Purdue. They lost earlier in the week to Purdue. They lose this time to Maryland on the road. Maryland desperately needed a win in conference play. They get their second of the year. They're two and six in league play. Illinois did not have Kofi Coburn, so Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk started and played 25 minutes. He's obviously not Kofi Coburn, so that was a big-time problem for Illinois. They had to do most of their work. From the perimeter, they shot 35 threes compared to 24 shots in the two point uh, inside the two point range. It was just one of those games. Like, I think I said it on the last podcast before I knew Coburn was out. 
I was like, I feel like this is the kind of game that stays super close, but Illinois holds on. I was wrong because they, Maryland wins by 16. Like, Maryland's not a tournament team. They're not going to be that. But they're talented enough to be pesky against some teams like this at home. Fats Russell at 15, Dante Scott at 25, Eric Ayala only at 9. So they didn't even get that much production from their best player. I think once we see Ayala get it going, Russell get it going, and if Dante Scott can keep playing like this, Maryland can be an NIT-level team that picks off some teams due to the home court advantage in College Park. They're just too far behind to make the tournament at this point, likely, though. Yeah, and I, I do think Cobra not being in there, like, Made a difference in the game. Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. Like if he Cobra, probably wouldn't have won with him, but it would have been would have won. It, I mean, it's a sixteen point loss though. That's that's a big number to overcome. I mean, the the thing with Coburn that is kind of underrated is like one. I I think defensively in this game, like Maryland was getting like some back cuts. Uh, they go you know, to the rim and two like it was. 70 to 65 with two minutes left. So, I mean, it's it, okay. Yeah. That's final nice. score, I think, kind of indicates a blowout. I, this was pretty close throughout. Uh, but the thing with Coburn, too, is like defensively, he's very good. And then offensively, like if you're ever in a rut offensively, I mean, Illinois did not score the final 241 of this game. If you're ever in a rut offensively, you just kind of like d- dump the ball inside to Coburn and he's going to go get you a basket or get fouled or at least force you to double team him. And at that point, you know, maybe you get an open kick out for Trent Frazier who makes a three or has a good opportunity for a three. So I think with him, Illinois wins this game. I think, you know, and you kind of saw it in Maryland, like Dante, Dante Scott was able to have 25 points off the bench. Uh, he was, you know, kind of scoring inside uh, playing as that kind of like small ball role. Uh, in the first matchup between the two teams, Coburn got in foul trouble, and uh, Illinois, I think, was up 16 at that point. Uh, the game, I think Maryland took the lead at halftime, and then in the second half when Coburn went in, uh, Illinois pulled away. So I, I think for this specific matchup, if Coburn was there, I think Illinois would have ended up winning. It's possible. I mean, I obviously, like you said, the score wasn't indicative of how close the game was. But this really, the next one we're going to talk about here, Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas looked done after the first half. It was an 18-point game at the break. Nigel Pack looked like the best player on the floor. But Kansas was able to just chip away and chip away and chip away and keep chipping away until Ochai Abaji gets a game-winning layup with seven seconds left. Then uh, Kansas State misses a shot. And Kansas caps it off with two free throws, I believe, right? It ended up being a three-point game. Yeah, I think with like point five on the clock, something yeah, like that. So, yeah, 78-75, Ochai, 29 points, showing why he's a national player of the year candidate. Jalen Wilson, another good one, 16. But Nigel Pack had 35 points. Like if Kansas State got production from anybody outside of Nigel Pack, they probably would have won this game. Yeah, and yeah, I, I th- was kind of watching this game in the second half. I thought defensively Kansas State really or Kansas put together a kind of good game plan uh, to kind of slow down pack because uh, first half it looked like he was just getting wide open threes uh, and Kansas State was rolling 50 points in the first half leading by 16. I mean that's a game where Kansas State should win uh, especially when you score 50 in the first half but 
I thought Dewan Harris did a good job second half on uh, Nigel Pack, kind of slowing him down defensively. And then you know, offensively for Kansas, that Ochai Baji is a first-team All-American National Player of the Year candidate for a reason. And it's because he can, you know, whenever you're down, you can go trust him to go get a bucket. And, you know, down two there. Do you see that three-point, you know, he was fouled on the three. They gave him mm-hmm. two free throws. Like, that. Yeah, yeah, so I did see that. Abaji, yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened. Like, I I had this, I was uh, so I got a new phone, so I was setting that up, and it was really annoying me because I messed something up. So I had the sound on mute, and that was when that was happening. So I was like, Did I I miss something? I'm like, He was definitely fouled for free. I don't know what ended up happening, but I know he shot two free throws. Yeah, it's like. Did they call it on the floor or something? It was definitely a shot. Well, they the refs called it a shot. They just said uh, two free throws, and like you clearly see the replay. He's like, oh right, not they even close. That's what it was. Yeah, they didn't yeah. review. I don't know how you don't review that. That's one of the more puzzling things, probably ever, because like you can review that at any time. Like that's a reviewable thing. There's no like within the last two minutes. No, that you can review that anytime you want, and they just yeah. didn't. Yeah. It just utterly perplexing, but uh, ends up not really mattering. Uh, Kansas gets the stop on the other end, down one. Abaji hits the runner to give Kansas the lead. Nigel Pack misses the shot, and uh, Kansas walks away with a big win. And you know, for the Big Twelve race, I mean, this is going to be why these games. Like you're you're looking back, and Kansas has kind of won a couple of these close ones now, where. Like you look back and let's say Kansas, you know, ties or wins the league title by game or so. You're looking at this game where it's like Kansas State could have easily won that. Uh, they could have easily lost Oklahoma. They easily could have gone 0 and 2 this week and they find a way to get two wins. They have a tough schedule upcoming. Uh, they'll play Texas Tech, I guess, tomorrow night at the time of recording. So uh, that should be, I mean, no, there's no easy games in the Big 12. Texas Tech has already won at Baylor. So they're fully capable of winning at Kansas, but uh, if they, they end up winning the big 12 by like a game or two, uh, you're going to kind of look back at this week as being a reason why they ended up doing it. And Kansas state, like they have enough talent to maybe make an NCAA tournament, but they're probably not going to just because their record won't be good enough. I feel like that's going to end up being the deciding factor there. And that is tough for sure. Cause that's a good team. Yeah. And it, the thing is, like, they've lost – here are their Big 12 losses thus far. They lost uh, at Oklahoma. That was by two points. Uh, they Now, they lost by 13 to Texas. They are down to, I think, six scholarship players. And they led by uh, – what was the halftime score? Uh, they were up by six at the half. I think they were up double digits in that one. Uh, they were up double digits at West Virginia. Again, shorthanded. Uh, up big against TCU. Lost that game. If if Kansas Kansas State's probably going to end up missing the NCAA tournament, but if they end up like holding on to one or two of these, that might be the difference in them, you know, missing the NCAA tournament versus making the NCAA tournament. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Kansas State finding it hard to win in the Big Twelve. Uh, one team, another team finding it hard to win. Iowa State, they lost again, uh, played TCU. TCU, 
credit to them. This is a good road win, uh, Q1A win, uh, you know, a top shelf win. Iowa State still ranked top 40 in the net. So that's going to be, you know, when that really kind of propels them. But for TCU, I mean, this was a kind of game. Mike Miles kind of struggled, uh, but Damian Baugh stepped up and uh, helped carry TCU to a big road win. And now uh, the Horn Frogs sitting somewhat pretty. Uh, still a lot of worm to work with. Probably need to get to like eight Big 12 wins, but they're all right at three. So if they get like five more Big 12 wins, uh, they're probably going to end up making the NCAA tournament. Iowa State just cannot shoot the basketball from three. That's such a problem for them. And they're shooting 32% on the season, but that's not close to what this team actually is. Like they just don't have that many shooters. And that is a problem. They need Gabe Kalsher to start hitting shots because they don't have many guys that can consistently. He's only shooting 26% from three. Isaiah Brockington was pretty much the entire offense, 19 points. And he went eight for 14 from the field. Like he was super efficient. Just nobody else scored more than seven points. And that was Tyrese Hunter with seven. They need to find more consistent offense because we've seen plenty of times this year. Their defense is great, but their offense just is not that good. They scored 44 against TCU. They scored 51 against the undermanned Texas Tech team. They scored 47 against Jackson State. They scored 60 against Oregon State. They need to be able to score more than what they've been scoring if they're going to be a legitimate contender to do anything this year. And I think they can win a game in the tournament. I still think they get to the tournament. But, I mean, they just have to figure out this offense. Yeah. And for Iowa State, I mean, they – with what they did in non-conference play, they're still set up. Like they don't have to do that much uh, in league play just because how good their non-league, you know, record, their non-league resume was. But yeah, if I, I would say definitely offensively struggling and uh, this was certainly a game, uh, both Texas tech games, uh, they struggle offensively. Uh, you know, I guess they, they scored 79 against Texas. Uh, that's good. They scored 72 against Baylor, but outside of those two performances, they really have, you know, they've been pretty much in the sixties, fifties, even now the forties with this game. So uh, offensively, Iowa state going to need to struggle. Uh, Otherwise Isaiah Mosley might score more points than them in the next game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Led them uh, to a, you know, signature victory. Uh, at Loyola Chicago, I'm still not sure Missouri State ends up, you know, contending for at large. But Isaiah Mosley, he might just do it himself. He's the best player in the Missouri Valley, without a question in my mind. He just has that it factor. He goes and gets buckets. He was really good last year. Comes back, has another great year, and they win a game against Loyola Chicago. The Ramblers have had some close calls, so eventually they were going to lose one of these games. Had a close one against Valpo. Had a close one against Indiana State. Had a close one against Bradley. So they were kind of in the danger zone a few times here, and eventually they were going to lose one of those games. They weren't going to pull a magic trick every single time and just win all these games where they're down by double digits. Lucas Williamson got in foul trouble. The Ramblers made a little bit of a run, but they weren't able to come back completely. And Isaiah Mosley, just like you said, absolutely took over. And it's not like Missouri State's going to be a at-large team. That's just probably not going to happen, even though they're 49th in Ken Palm. That's pretty good. 
they just have some losses that are really going to hurt them, like losing to Southeast Missouri State to begin the season, losing to ECSU, losing to Illinois State, losing to Northern Iowa. Those are pretty rough losses, and they don't have any signature wins besides the Loyola Chicago one. But if they're able to win the, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, this is not a team I'd want to see against me if I'm a four- or five-seeded team. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Isaiah Mosley, I mean, he he's good enough to – like when they get to Arch Madness, they're going to be, they're not going to be a seven through 10 seed. So, I mean, they're going to get that uh, double buy or the Valley still has 10 teams, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they'll get the double buy. So, I mean, he's capable of like putting up a hundred points in three days and leading Missouri state to the NCAA tournament. I mean, he's that good of a player. If you're able to put up 40 against loyal Chicago, which is uh, one of the, 10 best defenses in the sport. I mean, you're, you're just a, you know, fantastic player and, you know, credit to him for going out and doing this. Uh, He's had, you know, he's been playing fantastic Had a game winner. uh, I want to say. Who do you have a game winner against earlier this season? Uh, Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. He, he had that. And then I think from there, he's kind of just taken off. Um, because since then he's been scoring just ridiculous. I mean, he had 24 against Illinois State, uh, 32, yeah, only 32 against Valpo. I mean, he's playing fantastic uh, and certainly playing like one of the best, you know, mid-major players in the country right now. Yeah, and it's not just him. Like Gage Prim's also a really good player. Lukai Patterson's a good defender. Uh, Jalen Minette, great six-man, able to come off the bench and just light it up from outside. Jamonte Black's a great shooter. And Donovan Clay really fits that four-man role perfectly next to Gage Prim. So this is a team that will be one of the favorites in, in Arch Madness for sure. We'll see what they're able to do. They have a couple hurdles to get over, like beating Drake, like beating Loyola Chicago, because those teams are both very good. And But they've been able to beat both of them thus far this year. Also worth noting, though, like a team like Bradley, they're a team that I could see making a run in that tournament, too. They've had some good games this year. They competed with Loyola Chicago. They beat Drake on the road the other day. That was pretty impressive. Terry Roberts, the Juco transfer, has been one of the best players in the Valley. Rianca Mast has been very good. Uh, Jay Sean Henry's hurt, so that definitely doesn't help. And Malavai Leon's last year's Juco National Player of the Year has also been fantastic. So Bradley has a lot of pieces that could also make them a contender in that league tournament. Yeah, I mean, Bradley, you know, they're a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I think won it in both 2019 and 2020. Uh, obviously only got an NCAA tournament out of that because uh, the 2020 tournament was canceled. But, yeah, I mean, and they Brad- led Michigan State for a, a good chunk of that game. Yeah, that was the infamous Aaron Henry uh, gets yelled at game, uh, which turned out to be uh, may- maybe a bit of overreaction by some people there. But uh, I think mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, it, Bradley you know, definitely pushed Michigan State tough in that game, and uh, that was the Michigan State team that ended up making the Final Four. So uh, Bradley, certainly one of the teams to beat in the Missouri Valley. And Boise State is one of the teams to beat oh, man. in the Mountain West. They might be the team to beat in the Mountain West. This was the worst game this year. Like It absolutely was. Hey, it, was it was fantastic. We had a game, game not quite a – Buzzer beater, like 
they end up winning by five. The but yeah, like Marcus Shaver. Marcus Shaver is great. He's a fantastic player. He hit two game winners this week, essentially. But there, there's a point where like it's great defense, but there's also a point where it's just awful offense. And that's what we saw in this one. Like it was good defense for a point, but it was also just terrible offense. Neither team could get anything going offensively. But Boise State might be the hottest team in college basketball right now. They've won 11 consecutive games. They haven't lost in Mountain West play. They were a team that looked very far out of the NCAA tournament picture after losing to Cal State Bakersfield and not even being able to crack 50 against them. And now they're just running through everybody in the Mountain West. Their defense is such a problem. Manuel Acott is really underrated with what he's able to do, can defend one through five. He's a really good shooter. That's a guy that'll play at the next level for sure. And uh, Abu Kijab, also a really solid player. Marcus Shaver. Uh, Maladin Armouche is one of the better rebounders in the country. So when you have those kind of pieces, you'll be able to do a lot of things. And I saw this team live a couple weeks ago against Nevada, and that defense just flies everywhere. Like, they make every shot contested inside. You get no easy layups. You get nothing clean inside. They're going to make you try to shoot outside shots, and those will be contested too. So nothing easy comes against Boise State. Yeah, and I I think I remember watching them – was it Charleston Classic that they were in against St. Bonaventure? Like they played that. Yeah. They start, they like looked the part. And like at that point, St. Bonaventure was a top 25 team. I was like, Boise State's a you know pretty solid team here. Like they they look the part. Uh, you know, the shots ended up falling for St. Bonaventure. Second half Bonnie's was on full display, but like Boise State held their own pretty much the entire game there. And a uh, couple buckets go the other way. They they might have won that game, uh, but uh, yeah. And now Boise State really has taken off. Uh, they went to overtime against St. Louis. Uh, that that's a quality St. Louis team. Uh, so it's not really a bad loss. Uh, but yeah, Cal State Bakersfield loss is terrible though. Like that's that's as Q four as Q four losses get. Yeah, but. Uh, right now they're making up for it because, uh, you know, they were able to win at Washington State. That was kind of a, you know, game that helps build some confidence. Uh, you know, start Mountain West play hot. Uh, and then you get back-to-back road victories on less, less game winners. Uh, that's that's as good as you get. And uh, now Boise State sitting 15-4, uh, first in the Mountain West. At this point, I have them it, not only in their – I think an 11 seed no they're a 10 seed so oh okay okay yeah they're they're not even sweating uh so going good for boise state still a lot of work to do uh we saw last year i think boise state was like two weeks left in the season like a nine seed and they fumbled that one away i think lost they lost to someone terrible they lost to uh fresno state that's what it was yeah and that was, it was like Mountain West. You don't want to schedule these games. Yeah, um, Colorado put, State lost to Nevada, so they yeah. fumbled the chance of getting four bids last year. Yeah, or at least even three. Yeah, like one of those two would have almost certainly gotten in. Probably Colorado State. No, nah, probably Boise. I don't know. Maybe both got in. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but they squandered that opportunity to say the least. Yeah, if if you don't have to play makeup games. Don't do it. Don't do it. Unless, unless like, it helps you. Like, it, yeah, if, like, if it can hurt you in any way, don't do it. Yeah. Like, if it's – if you're scheduling 
you say Boise State needs a quality win against or a quality win and they can play San Diego State, who I think end up being a six seed. I want to remember. Say yep, they, they lost to Buddy Beheim. There we go. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you're saying, oh, Boise State, they're just on the wrong side of the bubble. Let's let's schedule them uh, against San Diego State. I mean that that would certainly go a long way towards maybe helping them get in. I'm all for that. But if it's Boise State versus Fresno State, and this is literally, as they would say, a landmine, don't do that. Don't do that, Mountain West. And uh, they did it to themselves, and they only got two teams in because of it. And Florida State, Miami had one of the weirdest games you'll see this year. Florida State just dominated the first half. They were up 20-plus. It looked like the game was over. Then Miami just comes back. They're able to get the game within one possession. They had a chance to win it on the final possession. No good on the Isaiah Wong shot. Florida State wins by by one a big win for Florida State for sure because they're able to pick up wins over Duke and Miami this week which two of the better teams in the ACC it's not saying a whole lot because the ACC is not good but winning against Duke and winning on the road in Coral Gables is pretty impressive Caleb Mills has continued to look pretty solid despite turning the ball over seven times he had 16 points I think if they're going to go far they need him to continue playing the way he's played and Leonard Hamilton just one of the best coaches in college basketball for a reason and he figured things out, and Florida State looks like a team that is on their way to making the NCAA tournament. Nothing's definitive, especially in the ACC this year with how bad that league is, but Florida State has certainly helped themselves out in the last seven days. Yeah, and I think a couple of weeks ago, we were kind of like discussing, okay, well, if uh, Florida State makes it in the NIT, I mean, that's going to be good experience for them going forward. I mm-hmm. think I was kind of saying that. Well, now, now they're in the NCAA tournament mix. I, I certainly – didn't expect them. I mean, the good good win against Miami a couple weeks ago by one. I think that's why we kind of started talking about them. But uh, following that up by beating Duke, uh, beating Miami again on the road by one. I mean, that's as that's as good as you can get in the ACC this year. And now Fuller State uh, right on the bubble. The bubble's not you know very strong. So currently, I have them in. So that's that's good for them. Uh, still a long way to go, though, because in the ACC, you, you have plenty of opportunities to take bad losses. Yeah, North Carolina, they lost twice this week. Neither of them were particularly close. Against Wake Forest, who's really good. I'm all the way in on Wake Forest at this point. Jake Laravia, Alondas Williams, Davian Williamson. That's a great trio, and this is a really good Wake Forest team. But North Carolina cannot defend anybody. That We've said that the whole year. It continues. They just can't defend. It's going to be a season-long issue. They get Virginia Tech tomorrow at home. Both teams need to win, that's for sure. I just don't know if North Carolina, I can rely on them to beat anybody right now. Like, they did beat Virginia and Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago pretty handily, but I feel like they just took such a big step back this week that it's like a momentum killer. Yeah, and like up until really this Wake Forest loss, I had North Carolina still in because they, they had quality metrics, but they, these two losses – I don't know how their metrics are good. Like, their metrics are still not bad. Yeah. Like, this team just got destroyed twice this week. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I mean, I guess beating Michigan, who's, like, top 25 in some metrics, maybe not, but. Yeah, but, like, outside of them, their best wins, what, Furman? Like, 
they have one win against teams in the top 90 of Ken Palm or top top 75 of Ken Palm. Yeah. And then and that, that should offset with losing to Kentucky by three. Oh, only 29. My bad. Sorry, yeah, like a, a lot of these losses aren't close. Like they got blown out by Tennessee. They were losing. I mean, that Purdue game was close. They got blown out by Miami. They got blown out by Kentucky. They got blown out by Wake Forest. Like, it's not just that they lost. They just got crushed. Like, there's a difference. Like, there's a difference between losing and getting hammered. They got hammered three times already. Yeah. Four times, my bad. Yeah. I mean, if you if you say, okay, they lose back-to-back games against Miami and Wake Forest, it's like, uh, t- time to panic, but it's like, okay, well, at least they're losing these games close. I mean, they're right there. If, you know, a couple possessions go the other, they're just getting, they're not even competing. And that's, that's, I think the more concerning part, but it's not that, you know, you're losing games. You know, if, I, I think Florida state is kind of like the opposite. Florida state lost games early in the season that they probably shouldn't have lost. And, you know, for North Carolina, these are games, you know, fully acceptable to lose, but Florida State was at least like you're looking at it. You're saying, okay, well they're they're at least like in the games or fighting hard. This North Carolina team, you know, the past two performances, it looks like some of the you know the team has given up in some of these games. And I I you know seriously you know question this North Carolina team because you know you're not supposed to like if you're going to lose that's that's one thing if you're just getting blown out and showing basically no effort that's another thing and i think that's kind of somewhat the frustrating thing with this north carolina team we'll see if you know hopefully hubert davis is able to kind of right the ship and at least get this team you know back to competing you know because you know college basketball is better when you know north carolina is good and right now they're I guess they're still still technically six in the ACC, but six in the ACC is not that good either. I'm out on North Carolina. I don't think there's any turning this around this year. I think I think they're done. We'll see. They still have the talent, but just I haven't seen anything that makes me remotely uh, encouraged this season by them. But Tennessee, LSU, LSU's offense just they can't score without Xavier Pinson. They've lost three consecutive games. They're still 11th in Ken Palm. Their defense is great. They just their offense is so bad without Xavier Pinson. So I'm not really sure when they're going to get things rolling. Hopefully Pinson's back here soon. They get Texas A&M on Wednesday, TCU on Saturday. They need to start winning some games here. Yeah. And ideally you look at that, you're saying, okay, we have a somewhat easy stretch. You mentioned those two. They play Ole Miss at home at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, if Pinson's out, you know, past that, there becomes time to be a little bit concerned. But if let's say Pinson's out just this week and is able to come back the following week and you're able to scratch and claw your way to two victories, I mean, that would go a long way. Uh, we'll kind of see what LSU does. But, yeah, offensively, they, it just kind of looks like they're stale offensively. Like the ball movement isn't quite there. Uh, defensively, they're fine. I mean, the, giving up 64 to Tennessee, maybe you, you'd say, okay, maybe we should only give up. 59 to Tennessee, but the defense is fine. It's just offensively, uh, there seems to be kind of a lack of shot creation. I mean, Tari Easton oh, yeah, is good, but uh, I don't I'm know. Brent, darts right now. Yeah. Like Brandon Murray isn't ready to 
run the point. Neither is Eric Gaines. So. Or, or uh, Justice Williams. Like, they just don't have that guy that can go make those plays right now, like you said. They need Xavier Pinson back in a, in a big way. We'll see what they do when he's back. But until then, I'm not super encouraged by LSU's recent play offensively. And then looking at the two games from Sunday we're going to talk about here, Marquette Xavier. Marquette gets another win. They had one of the best weeks of anybody in college basketball, beating Villanova on the road, one of the toughest wins you can get, and then handling Xavier relatively easily. The game was close in the first half, or close early in the second half, but Marquette was able to pull away late. Justin Lewis, I'm going to say this now. I think he might be the Big East player of the year. 20 and 13 today played a huge role against Villanova. Was their leading scorer, hit the game-winning shot. He is a very good defender, and he can score in a lot of different ways. Justin Lewis might end up being the Big East player of the year. Marquette, I think, is legit. I'm all the way in on this team. Shaka Smart has a great squad in his first year at uh, Marquette. Yeah. I mean, what Shaka Smart has done uh, deserves a ton of credit because – this, Mar- this Marquette team, we were kind of talking preseason. It's like Marquette and Creighton, it's like, you know, they'll, they'll both be like, they'll, they'll both be competitive, but, you know, they're, they're really just playing for next year when they'll get these kind of younger players another year under the belt. These younger players have come in. Uh, I think, you know, having getting a transfer like Daryl Marcel, who's committed to winning now, getting Justin Lewis to develop into being like, a legit Big East player of the year contender has certainly been big, but some of these freshmen have you know, really bought in and you know, are playing above where their recruiting ranking was. Like Cam Jones in this game had big 12 points off the bench. Justin Lewis, Daryl Marcel combined for 39 points. So they're, they're doing their job. Kirk Queth, I think is a you know, really solid center that they brought in. Uh, he's not going to necessarily win you a game, but uh, his def- defensive impact is certainly big. Uh, you've got, you know, Tyler Kolek, who's playing a good role, you know, at least defensively. And he's kind of like dishing out the ball, uh, kind of running uh, some of the point for the team, kind of co-point guard alongside Daryl Morcel. Uh, you've got Oso Godaro, who brings energy off the bench. So these freshmen have really bought in. I think the role players have, you know, elevated their games. And this Marquette team, uh yeah, you know, like they still need to win a couple more games down the stretch just to assure this. But I mean, assuming they win the games they're supposed to, they're going to be dancing because this this team has a fantastic resume. Uh, six quadrant one wins. I, uh, you know, I, the only team that currently has more is Baylor, and that if you're if you're if the only team with more quadrant one wins than you is Baylor, you're probably going dancing. I think the biggest thing about what Shaka Smart did in the offseason is add a bunch of culture guys, guys who want to win, guys who are going to play defense for 40 minutes. That's what I mean by culture guys, like guys who are just going to commit to the culture Shaka Smart wants to have, which is tough defensive play. And you look at Kirk Weth, that's what he does. He's a defensive guy. Omax Prosper, that's what he does. He's a defensive guy. Daryl Morcel was a Big Ten player, uh, defensive player of the year last year. Like these are all guys that want to play defense and that's their DNA. And that was a big thing by Shaka Smart. Like at some point, having talent is great, but when you can have guys that play the way you want to play, that goes a long way too. Yeah. And he certainly, I think, found the right guys uh, for his system. Guys that you know want to come in that they're willing to, you know, just getting guys that are willing to buy in. And we, we touched on it, you know, they're, you know, North Carolina, had, I think has a lot of players where they're not necessarily buying in defensively, 
Well, Marquette doesn't have that issue. Every single player that Marquette has, they're like, we're going to guard, you know, we're going to guard our butts off for 40 minutes. We're going to make it, you know, difficult for the opponent to score. And credit to Shaka Smart. I mean, earlier or, yeah, just a year ago, it was like, even when Texas was like in, you know, being one of the top teams in the Big 12 a season ago, it was still like, okay, this Shaka Smart. I mean, it's not quite working out at Texas. He's found a new home at Marquette. He has the, you know, system in place to where you know, I think the fans have bought into this kind of defensive culture. Uh, I think, you know, the donors, everyone, you know, in the program has bought in. And uh, now you're seeing that replicate on the floor. And Marquette is looking certainly very good. Yeah, without a question. We'll see what ends up happening with them the remainder of this season. Michigan, the team ranked third in the preseason poll was able to finally get a big-time win. They went in Assembly Hall where Purdue was not able to win earlier in the week. And the biggest thing was the shooting. The shooting freed up space for Hunter Hunter Dickinson inside. Caleb Houston had his best game in college. He looked like the NBA draft pick. He was tabbed to be entering college, 19 points, five threes. Eli Brooks, he didn't score a lot, but he played a good role, especially defensively. Musa Diabate, 10 points. Devontae Jones had seven assists and seven points. He played a good role at that point guard spot. Trace Jackson Davis didn't have his best game, but this was a really impressive performance by Michigan. The metrics always liked them, and they looked like they figured some things out in this one. They get Northwestern and Michigan State next week. They're 24th in Ken Palm's rankings. They still have a great chance to make the NCAA tournament if they're able to just start winning some games and have a good enough record to present to the selection committee. And they certainly have the talent to do that. If Caleb Houston plays the way he played today and Hunter Dickinson plays like a first-team All-American, Michigan will be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and that's kind of the key. I mean, Caleb Houston, we, we've seen a couple times this year. I think the San Diego State game, he had like a you know 15.53 performance or something like that. Like, He's had games this year where he's gone off from three, but it's mostly been quiet. The key is just going to be replicating this performance because if you're able to have the three-point shooting that you get with uh, Caleb Houston, uh, Eli Brooks, you know, just being able to be perimeter threats, uh, yet in like Terrence Williams who can make shots off the bench. I mean, if the perimeter threats are there, Dickinson's basically just going one-on-one in the post. And when Dickinson's going one-on-one in the post, there aren't many people, you know, able to stop him, uh, and he's just that good. And this game, he had 25 points. They weren't really able to stop him. Uh, Houston had a big game. So, yeah, I mean, the shooting is going to be key in this game, but Michigan certainly seems to be on the right track to figuring it out. He's just going to be replicating this performance uh, against Northwestern, against, you know, Michigan State. And they, they do need to get a couple of big wins here. Uh, the next th- – Three games, if they don't at least go two and one, uh, we're right back to being concerned. But if they're able to take care of Northwestern, take care of Nebraska, and who knows, maybe even win that Michigan State game, uh, we're talking about this Michigan team very differently uh, coming a week. So uh, certainly replicating the performance will be big, but Michigan seems to be on the right track. As for Indiana, I mean, they won at a They beat Purdue for the first time since 2016. Uh, You know, tough loss for them, but still a good week for Indiana. Uh, I think they're fine. Going to make the NCAA tournament. Maybe not top 25 team. I think some people might have been willing to put them there. 
I'm not I would have, yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, it's like, okay, they're not quite a top 25 team, but they're still probably going to make the NCAA tournament. They just couldn't hit perimeter shots today. That was the biggest issue. Uh, Parker Stewart Parker Stewart hit three, but for most of the game, they just could not make shots, and that was the biggest issue for them. They struggled defensively. They looked like they struggled with rotations defensively, weren't communicating, because there was like five or six made threes that were just wide open, and that was a problem for them. So that probably won't happen much in the future, considering how good they are defensively. We'll see what's next for Indiana, but I'm not very concerned at all. Yeah, so... Yeah, Hoosiers still should make the NCAA tournament. Should we get into some picks here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, we've got a line out for this Monday game. Uh, so the original spread we had it at was five. That's what Ken Palm projected. Uh, it's now up to seven and a half. So are you willing to still take Kansas plus seven and a half, minus seven and a half? Well, I'm. It's in Allen Fieldhouse. T.J. Shannon looked looked great the other day for Texas Tech. He came back. Uh, it was his best game since he came back. But I think just the Allen Fieldhouse environment, Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown clicking on all cylinders, Jalen Wilson getting rolling, Remy Martin's back from injury. I think Kansas is a little too good for Texas Tech to handle, especially in this hostile environment. So give me Kansas. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Texas Tech just plus the seven and a half points that we're getting. But uh, – yeah, I, I think Kansas wins this game somewhat handily. Like, I think Texas Tech maybe like cut backdoor covers, uh, lose it by five. But yeah, I'd say Kansas should win this game. Uh, yeah, and that would be good win for them. Moving on to Tuesday, we have some really good games here. First one, Michigan State on the road at Illinois. Not sure what the status is of Kofi Coburn. Yeah, he, uh, which, he had a concussion, so I guess we don't really know at this point. Yeah, concussion's like the hardest thing to figure out because, like, sometimes it's like up day to day, he's good to go the next game, and sometimes it's like, oh, he's out. Like Corbello was out like th- three weeks or so, or I I don't even know. It was over a month. Yeah, like it's just such a weird injury and. Certainly need him to be on the court. We need him to be on the court and healthy. Uh, So this is a tough pick here. I'll take Illinois either way. I think they have enough in the backcourt to be able to beat Michigan State without Coburn. But if Coburn plays, he'll be able to do whatever he wants against Michigan State. Not very physical big men. Marcus Bingham's pretty good, but he's not that kind of guy that will be able to stay with Kofi when he backs into the basket. That's just not his game. So I'll take Illinois to win and cover. All right, I'll I'll do the same just because I think Michigan State, if Coburn's not playing – Michigan State has a ch- – if Coburn's playing, though, Illinois should win and cover by four. So I'll assume he's playing and hope for the best. But, yeah. Next Illinois, one, yeah. Wyoming going to Boise State. Can they win their 12th consecutive game, or can Wyoming continue bolstering their at-large re- resume? I'm going to go – I'm going to go over to you first. What do you have here? Uh, I'm going to go – I'll go Boise to win just because it's kind of like a home game. If this was played at Wyoming, though, I would take Wyoming. But give me the home team, Boise State, to win and cover the four. I think Wyoming's better, especially because of their offense. I'm going to go with Wyoming here. 
Uh, I think Milad and Armouche could get into some foul trouble here against Graham E.K., who's one of the best big men in the country. And then around him, you have just a bunch of shooters. Hunter Maldonado, six foot seven true point guard. He's going to play in the NBA one day. He's not a very good shooter, but what his game is just backing down smaller guards and either passing to a shooter on the perimeter or he's going to take the easy basket for himself. Brandon Wenzel, you have Drake Jeffries. Those are both guys that really shoot the ball well from outside. Xavier Ducell missed the past few games, so I'm not counting on him playing this one. But you get good production from the guys I just named. Jeffries is one of the best shooters in the country. I think Wyoming's offense will be too much for Boise State to stop, and they'll get the road win. All right. Uh, Next game, we've got TCU going – or TCU hosting uh, Texas. Big matchup between two of Texas's mediocre teams, maybe. Uh, But, yeah, I'll go TCU – to win and cover the one-point spread? I'll go with Texas. I just think they're a little more talented. Neither team is very good offensively. It'll be a fun matchup between Marcus Carr and Mike Miles. I just think Texas is too much talent for TCU, and I'm not very in on TCU, so I'll go with Texas. All right. Should be a – if you like defense, this will be a game for you. Yeah, yeah. Game of the week, though, we've got Arizona going on the road to take on UCLA. Uh, Originally scheduled earlier this year, got canceled, uh, but got moved to, I I think, a better time, at least in the sports calendar. And uh, this is going to be, you know, primetime matchup. ESPN, sure, we'll get Shulman and Billis, or maybe it'll be uh, Bill Walton. Uh, It's Passion Walton. All right, Passion Walton. Yeah, uh, so that's still going to be good. UCLA's rallying fans back. I think Arizona's the better team, so I'll take Arizona to cover the one-point spread. Since losing to Tennessee, Arizona's won every single one of their last five games by double digits, each of them by eight – no, but yeah, by 18 or more or by 16 or more. No Azulas Tubelas today against Cali got hurt the other day against Stanford, but they were still, still able to score 96 points. I'd like to see Tubelas come back in this one, but even if he doesn't, you have Coloco inside who should be able to give UCLA big some problems. Benedict Matherin, the matchup I want to see, though, is a point guard matchup between Kirk Creasa and Tiger Campbell, two of the best passing guards in the country. I think Arizona's too talented, though, for UCLA. They're too athletic. They play too fast. So give, me, give me Arizona to win. Yeah, and- Either way, I mean, we're going to get two two of these games uh, in a 10-day span because they play next Thursday. So you want UCLA versus uh, Arizona? You're going to get plenty of it uh, over the next couple days so or couple weeks. So it's going to be a fun By one. the way, we're, we're talking before the show about how much of a blowout this Oregon-Washington game is. Washington's right in it. I mean, it's 69 to 42 with 929 left. Like this game is very close. Like this is not over. I I had turned it off because uh, I thought it was 40 to 10. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I mean, it's still a 29 point game, but like it's close. Hey, they, they've cut into the deficit. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Almost 40. Got to do it one play at a time. Yeah, like they've been able to score 29 points in this half. That is more than they scored in the first half by a lot. Yeah, I mean, Washington, not very good, but hey, at least no. they're now scoring. 
Yeah, they're not good, and they are now scoring a little bit, which is which is impressive. Yeah. Uh, now moving on to the Big East. This is going to be a big game for Providence because right now they have they have a one game lead in the lost column on Villanova. Villanova technically has more wins, but uh, if Providence is going to you know, legitimately have a chance to win the Big East regular season crown, which uh, certainly a case, they're going to need to get a couple of these big road wins and uh, going on the road to Xavier presents them an opportunity to win, presents them also an opportunity to uh, come up with a loss. And Vegas is saying, or I guess Vegas isn't, but Kim Palm is saying uh, Xavier's going to win by seven, which I think I'm picking Providence to cover the seven. I'm just not in on Providence. Their guard play doesn't do it for me. I think a lot of their success came as a byproduct of other teams missing great players like Wisconsin, not having Johnny Davis. They played close games against Butler and DePaul in the last week, both home games. I, I just can't buy in on this team. Nate Watson needs to play like he did today if Providence is going to go far this year. But I think Xavier's got a little too much, especially in the backcourt. You have Paul Scruggs who could give them problems. You have Dwan Odomoon give them problems. Colby Jones is one of the best glue guys in the country. Nate Johnson's a great shooter. Give me Xavier. Yeah, I think Xavier wins, but seven's a lot of points. So I'll, I'll take Providence to cover the spread. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, moving on Wednesday, Miami going on the road to take on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is favored by six in this one. Uh, kind of an analytics first like resume matchup where Virginia Tech ends up being favored by six. I'll take Miami, though, to cover the six-point spread. I think they're just... Six is way too many points for Miami. I think Miami wins the game outright. It just Virginia Tech, another team where their depth is not there. They have no depth, and their guard play isn't very good. Storm Murphy struggled this year, and Miami has a surplus of guards. They have a ton of guards. Any of their three guards would be my would be Virginia Tech's best guard. So give me Miami to win the game. Yeah, I think I'll go Miami to win the game outright as well, uh, but. The line so, probably won't end up being six, but yeah, it'll probably it, end up being like four. Yeah, yeah. hey, good, good timing there. Yeah, We're, perfect. We've done probably like what eighty podcast episodes together. We're in sync. So yeah, the the first seventy nine. I don't know how many we've done, but first seventy nine. No idea how many episodes is there in total. Uh, well, this this one will be season three, episode forty two. A lot of episodes. Probably we've definitely done more than seventy nine together. Then, yeah. Uh, and last season, probably July of twenty twenty one, something like that. Oh wait, take the over. We did. Uh, oh no, of twenty twenty. It's uh, our first one was May twenty seventh, twenty twenty. We did 69 of nice. the nice. second season, so uh, 70, trying to do mental math here. 131, 31 of just the past two seasons, and then whatever we did in the off season. Yeah, before. It's probably like 150. It's not bad. It's a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Solid. Make sure to leave a review. Make sure to leave a review. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Uh, May 11th was episode 48. So I want to say 153 official tally. 153. That's not bad. Yeah. So it's pretty good. It's a lot of podcasts. A lot of podcasts. 153. I've, I didn't realize that it's almost been like two calendar years. Time flies. Hey, the time flies when you're having fun and college basketball, it's fun. Yeah, on the first episode I went on, I remember because uh, it was just going to be like that time and I'd come on occasionally and then it just worked that we did it together full time. So yeah. then it was kind of the first one. There was nothing really happening besides transfers. Uh, so we talked about like I think we did like an all decade team or something like that. Something like that. That was that was in the midst of the like pandemic and it's like yeah like covid night like everything was still like locked down i'm pretty sure like that was that was yeah. pretty deep there was no sports going on so yeah. everything was pretty pretty boring yeah different time crazy how we just went like four months without any sports yeah and then we got the nfl or nba bubble MLB, I think, was the first American sport to come back. MLB. Whichever one it was. like, So weird not seeing fans, though. Like, I never realized how just how weird that was. At the time, it was like, man, I'm glad we, we just have, like, games going on. But now, now that you – like, it, you almost got spoiled with the fans that, like, now getting the fans back, it's like, oh, how great is it that we get – Cameron Indoor Stadium, and we've got these blue painted people uh, just yelling Duke. How great is it? We get like Allen Fieldhouse with 16,000 people in it. How great is it? You know, just any college basketball game you get, it's like, wow, I'm so glad. And then you get like UCLA, Oregon, where there's no fans. It's like, ah, what? This sucks. This sucks. Yeah, like it's so different. I mean, it's different, but you know, I'm glad. I'm just glad we are where we are, and we're able to uh, watch college basketball games, fans or no fans, and that that's how I feel. And I guess let's just get back into the games. VCU at Davidson. Can Davidson continue their unbeaten ways in the big in the A10? Uh, I think they will. Uh, I'll take them to I guess cover the five point spread. I don't feel great about it, but uh, yeah, Davidson. I mean. This this is a team I'm not going to pick against. I think I picked against them the previous two podcasts. So, I mean, they're due to burn me. Uh, but I'll I'll just keep taking Davidson because uh, if I pick against them, they're going to win. Davidson's going to lose here pretty soon. I don't think it's – I mean, if it's going to be a game, it'll probably be this one. Probably going to be against St. Bonaventure. But they've been playing with fire for like a month. They, all, they barely beat Rhode Island. Uh, they beat Richmond by three. They beat VCU by two and trailed for a lot of that game. They beat Fordham by three and trailed by double digits late in the first half. That would have been an awful loss. So they're they're really playing with fire at this point. So they could lose this game. I'll take VCU to cover and Davidson to win just because Davidson just like, again, they're, they're just playing with fire right now. They got the one of these games will not go their way. Yeah, I, I agree. But it, it'll probably be this one because uh, I've, I've been picking against them saying, they're not winning these games too incredibly big. 
uh, but they keep keep winning and uh, the spreads are always like one. So I keep end up losing on that. So I'm, I'm going to go on the right or on Davidson side and not get burned again. We'll see how, how that strategy goes. Good strategy. Good strategy. I, I respect the strategy. Definitely. And then uh, get it into West Virginia against Oklahoma. Two teams in the Big 12 that are kind of just in the middle. Both will make the tournament. I don't like, I don't love either team. Both have solid pieces, but neither really sticks out to me as like a team that's going to win multiple games. They're both going to be like seven, eight, nine seeds that I think lose in the first round. Yeah. I mean, West Virginia, their problem is they got like two players that can score. Yeah. Like if McNeil and Sherman don't go off, like you, you're not going to have a chance or they're not going to have a chance. And then Oklahoma, I guess they have like better scoring, more scoring, but they they don't excite me either. But give me give me Oklahoma. They're at home. They're mm-hmm. one point dogs, but I I I don't like either of these teams. I'll take them too. I mean, that game the other day against Baylor was pretty close, and then Tanner Groves got teed up for arguing with the rest because he got hit in the back of the head. Uh, it, it was incidental that shouldn't have been a flagrant called against Matthew Meyer, but Tanner Groves argued and ended up getting teed up and that just changed the game. Uh, Oklahoma. I think they're solid. Again, I don't think they're great, but I think they'll be able to win at home. Get, get rid of technical fouls. Unless you're like, if you, you get be- hit in the back of the head or you, here's what they should do. If you give a technical foul, you should be able, the ref should have to review. And if they s- screwed up the call, the T is rescinded, and then uh, it should be like a challenge or something. Yeah, I mean, there's just too many technical fouls. Like, I get at some point it's too much, and you got to just tee him up. I, I like, I wouldn't have teed up Tanner Groves in that spot just because, like, where we were in the game, like, that was clearly going to be a momentum shifter, and it was because Baylor's a great team, and Oklahoma's a good team, but not a great team. And that ended up changing the game big time. And, like, the one I really think about is Zaire Williams last year gets a breakaway dunk. Uh, I think he said something or stayed on the rim. No, he hung on the rim, yeah. Yeah, and they teed him up. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, that's just so stupid. That should never happen. Like, I get a rule's a rule, but you don't have to follow the rule. Nobody's making you for it. Nobody's making you enforce that rule. I didn't watch a lot of 90s basketball, mostly because I was – uh, bar- barely alive for it, but I was not alive, so I can't say I saw any of it. Yeah, I I, I don't remember you know watching '90s basketball, seeing technical fouls. I mean, like watching- they should happen in certain scenarios, like if there's a fight or if someone's really going at an official. But like, yeah, just, there's too many of them. Yeah, like if a coach is like berating an official, that's one thing. Like what Will Wade is, uh, like. Who are they? I think they were playing Alabama where yeah, like at, he disagrees with the call and he like chases the official down the court. He's like basically asking for a technical foul. That's yeah, like, if you leave the coach's box, even like during earth, like you have a timeout and you go out of your way to go talk to the official. I think that's a reasonable T, but like if you're mad about a call and you stay in the coach's box, I don't think, I don't think you should get teed up. Like, I think that you should just let it go. Emotions yeah, happen. Yeah. That's sports. That's basketball. Yeah. Like if a player complains and like gets in your face about it, maybe that's it. Up. 
Yeah, like yeah. Tom Brady today. Don't do what he did. Yeah. Do the opposite because that deserved that deserved a penalty. Yeah. Tee him up. Yeah, give Tom Brady a tee. Uh shoot two free throws. They should just like bring a basketball on the on the football field and make you toss it through the through the uh, goalposts. Two extra points. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Then that'd be fun. That that would be a real quick way to those those add up. Oh yeah, like like you want to rough the passer? Okay, well the the opposing team is going to get two foul shots here, so maybe you shouldn't yeah. rough the passer next time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't rough the passer. No, fifteen yards and two free throws. And or maybe maybe it's just like first and ten from the roughing the passer, but two two extra point kicks. Uh, yeah, that that worked too. Yeah. We're, we're changing. We're changing the game. One, yeah, I mean, basketball is better than football, so let's just kind of make them closer together. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State going on the road to take on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's one point favorite here. We talked about Iowa State not being able to score, and with that, I'll take Iowa State to somehow magically find a way to score and cover the one point spread. I'm not super in on Iowa State. I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to come out with the home win. Even though they aren't playing in the NCAA tournament, they still play with a ton of energy and play like they're, they're going to win every game. They want at Baylor. They're, they're a good team, not a great team. Good team that plays hard, well-coached, good defense. Give me Oklahoma State. I'm excited give to me, see. Give me the under. Give me the under. That's my pick. Give me the under. Oh, under. I'll go under. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the under. And I'll take Oklahoma State, but I prefer the under. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see. I hope, like, I guess uh, likely probably can't come back. But if everyone else yeah. comes back, oh, he can? Everybody except for Bryce Williams can come back. Yeah. I hope everyone comes back. And I, I really like uh, Bryce Thompson. Like, he's really starting to take a step forward. Yeah, he was a McDonald's All-American. Like, he just kind of fell under the radar at Kansas and got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Good ad. Good ad. Good get for uh Oklahoma State. Good transfer addition. Yeah. Good pay up big. Back to the Mountain West, San Diego State against Utah State. Utah State has really struggled to win games in Mountain West play. Like they've had a lot of close ones and they just aren't able to close it out in final possessions. Will they be able to do it here? San Diego State couldn't put the ball in the basket the other night. Like they went on a 10 minute scoring dread at one point. That was an ugly, ugly game against Boise. But I think in this one, they'll be able to win it. I think this is one they kind of have to have because San Diego State, probably a tournament team, maybe like, I don't think that's definitive. They could still play their way out, but Utah State's good enough to where they can beat you with Justin Bean and Brandon Horvath, but at this point, it's not going to be a very good loss. So I think San Diego State's going to win. Yeah, I'll go San Diego State as well. I've kind of been out on Utah State here recently, so uh, I think we're on the same page here. But it should be a fun matchup. Mountain West always gives us good games and one-point spread, so it's basically just picking whoever you think wins. Which is the way it gets good. Thursday, Purdue, we, you got it. Oh yeah, Purdue going on the road to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Keegan Murray versus Jane Ivy. That's gonna maybe. be maybe. Ivy didn't play today. He didn't play today. Hip flexor. 
No, he didn't play. Northwestern's terrible, so that's why the score doesn't look like it does, doesn't uh, change much. But Ivy did not play today. They might need Jaden Ivy in this one. They they probably will. Uh, but at the same time, like we're talking to Philip Robracha guarding Zach Eady, uh, that's that's going to be a problem. Like nobody can defend Zach Eady to begin with, but Philip Robracha can't. Like Trace Jackson Davis was in foul trouble the entire game. Pete Nance was in foul trouble the entire game. They're going to need Luca Garza to come over from Detroit to, from from the Pistons to be able to have anybody that can maybe guard. And Garza was a bad defender too. He's just a big body. So bring Luca Garza, uh, bring Tyler Cook, bring uh, Jack Nunji. Dude's name Ryan, Ryan Creener, right? That's a guy. Yeah, Ryan Creener. Bring him back, and then just like triple team, uh, triple team Zach Eady with former Iowa Hawkeyes, and I think they'll have a chance to defend him, but no, I think Purdue's going to win this game. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I fully agree. Like, Purdue, like, even if you're able to stop Edie and Williams inside, I mean, I don't trust Iowa's defense to be able to, you know, limit the three-point shooters. And maybe Purdue has a bad shooting day. They kind of like they had against Indiana. But I also think, like, Purdue's kind of due for some of these, like, Big Ten games that are kind of like close could go either way. Like Purdue's had a couple of these like down to the wire Big Ten games where it's like they've gone the wrong way. Like Ron Harper Jr. drills a 35-footer from midcourt. I mean, the Giant Davis goes off for 37. Like Indiana, you know, narrowly gets that. I I feel like even if this game comes down to the wire and Iowa has a chance, I feel like Purdue's due for like some positive luck to go their way. So I'll I'll take Purdue to win, and it's only a one point favorite, so not giving a whole lot there. Uh, but yeah, should be a good game. Little mid major action. My kind my kind of speed. Western Kentucky hosting UAB, who just beat Louisiana Tech. Yesterday, as we're recording this, UAB, they love forcing turnovers and running in transition. Western Kentucky, they turn the ball over a lot. Give me UAB to win this one easily. Yeah, I'll go I'll go UAB as well. Although, Western Kentucky, like I think we mentioned earlier, they have the talent to beat anyone. It's just, do they play hard? I don't know if they'll play hard enough to win this game. Uh, so, I'll take UAB, especially given that they're four-point underdogs. Yeah, and Western Kentucky's lost three in a row. Yeah. So they're trending downward. What's probably going to happen is Western Kentucky's going to win this game by, like, probably not 15, but, like, seven or something. I can't see it. I just don't think they're good enough, but you never know. It's college basketball. There's a there's a lot of weird things that happen in this, this great game that we watch. Yeah. Uh, final game here, though, we've got uh, the WCC, WC's finest. Uh, we've got St. Mary's going on the road to take on San Francisco. This is this is a big bubble matchup for both teams because St. Mary's certainly, uh, I think they're really on the bubble right now. I have them as one of my last four teams in. Uh, San Francisco a little, you know, further in at this point, but they're they're not safe by any means. Uh, so this is a really big game for both teams. I will take uh, 
San Francisco, though, to defend home court and win the game. I'm with you. Todd Golden played at St. Mary's under Randy Bennett. Now he's going back again to maybe go get a little little revenge. Uh, that, it's not really a revenge. He just played there. I'm, I'm sure uh, sure he loved his time at St. Mary's. But it'll be a kind of game where I think if San Francisco plays a pace they want to play, they'll be able to do whatever they want. They'll be able to win. I don't think St. Mary's has the offense. Give me San Francisco. All right. Uh, any last thoughts, though, before we sign off here? No, nah, that'll do it for me. Good good show. Yeah, another good uh, show. Uh, show number 150 or so, what, however, whatever the final tally was. So, yeah, another good one in the books. Thanks again for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Uh, and we'll be back next time with some more, you know, should be a fun week. We've got Pac-12 Thriller. That's going to bring something. I'm sure some random upset out of nowhere is going to happen. So we'll we'll break it all down uh, this upcoming week. But make sure to tune in then. Thank you.